the 26th of May, 2007, episode 77. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. If you do any kind of freelance design work, you probably know that one of the toughest things to deal with is actually dealing with the customers first of all, but also coming up with those rates or those quotes of how much you're going to charge them for each project or for the work that you do. And when the time comes actually raising those rates and dealing with how they're going to react to you know, a higher rate for the work that you do. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about that, and that actually came from a post from somebody on the forum, so we'll talk about that. I also wanted to share some of my recent experiences that I had with the two big freelance jobs that I've been working on, and also how I dealt with the customers and that type of thing. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Let's get a few announcements out of the way. Uh, first of all, I know it's been a long time, and... Uh, this, this probably wasn't the best thing for me. I went through and I told you guys that, that the shows weren't going to be coming every week. And now I've waited a couple of weeks and well, things just came up and, and it happens sometimes. And again, I, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses to you. Uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect you to want that or need that. And I don't feel I, I really owe that to you. You know, I, things happen when you're a designer and you're doing all kinds of things, sometimes things things have to be prioritized in a certain way and sometimes things get kicked to the back and that's just the way it was. So uh, I had a couple of pretty large jobs that I was working on and then I actually had to leave town for a few days. So things got kicked back, but uh, we are finally putting this show out on the weekend, which I know is a, a bit strange. Don't usually do that, but uh for those of you out there who have the Memorial Day holiday, uh, hopefully you're enjoying your weekend and maybe you're not hearing this on the weekend, but uh, I will be spending my holiday weekend catching up. So uh, we are going to be doing another show next week, so things are going to get kind of jumbled for a while, but as I said before, what I'm going to shoot for is trying to put one out every other week, so hopefully I can get back on that schedule after this weekend. Uh, again, I'll, I'll put one out next week. So this being the weekend, it will be coming out uh, the, the following Thursday, and then hopefully two Thursdays after that one. And then maybe we can get this back on track and, and get rolling. But I appreciate everybody's patience with me. Uh, again, I have lots and lots of stuff going on right now, but things are starting to peel off. I finished a couple of jobs. Uh, I finished my, Java, my JavaScript class, so I'm going to have a lot more free time, you know, kind of the way it was before. So stick with me, and we will keep rolling. Okay, a uh, couple of things. Final Cut Studio 2 is now shipping. I just received my copy the other day, so I uh, haven't installed it yet, but very excited to. Uh, supposed to be some big things with that, some big changes in those applications, so very cool. I also have had a chance to get into Lightroom, Photoshop Lightroom, and kind of try it out. And uh, I was in the beta, but I didn't get to use it very much, and now I've been able to really get in and get all my my pictures loaded in there. I know there's a lot of photographers out there that listen to this. Highly, highly recommend this application. I think it's very, very good. I haven't even got fully into it and used all the functionality yet. I've just basically got all my photos in and got them organized and uh, got them readily available to me. And I already know it's going to save me a ton of time. I was the kind of photographer that would take all these pictures and, you know, 
the pictures would sit on the on the card forever for days because I just didn't have time to get in there and organize them and put them where they needed to be and edit them and do what I needed to do. And I think uh, Lightroom is really going to help me out in that. I think I'm finally going to be able to uh, kind of save face because uh, I'm known as the person that takes all the great pictures, but uh, nobody ever sees them because they don't see the light of day. They don't ever get off the camera or get off my computer. So hopefully that'll help. Uh, definitely recommend it though. If you want to check out Lightroom, I don't think it's too much. I think it's about two, $300. So uh, check that out if you can. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about kind of photography related was a movie that I watched last night. I thought was very, very good. Uh, it's kind of graphic in nature and it's called born into brothels. And it sounds kind of strange, but what it's about this lady who's a photographer, went to Calcutta and she was living there and she was kind of doing a documentary on the red light district. So all these ladies that are prostitutes, which there's tons and tons of them because they, they just, I guess they can't afford, they don't have skills to do anything else. Uh, when she went there, she lived there for a couple of years and actually got to know some of the children, the children of the prostitutes. And these children really have uh, a full stack of cards against them because they're basically the children of criminals, so they're not they're not really willing to take them at many schools. Uh, they're they're up all night working for their their mother or their their family or whoever it is that, that watches over them. And I wouldn't really say parents them, but I'd say watches over them and curses them out every once in a while. Uh, just really kind of eye opening. But what she does is she sets up this little program where she brings cameras to all the kids and teaches them how to how to shoot photographs, basically to the point where they actually get pretty good at it and they have a showing of their work and they get on the news and they sell them uh, to, to raise money to, to let the kids go to school. It's a very, very cool movie. Uh, it's documentary, documentary style and uh, just all about photography. So if you're into that, definitely check out that movie. It's a very good movie. It's very sad, but uh, uplifting at the same time. So check it out. Last thing. Actually, second to last thing, uh, I'm still asking that you tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, hopefully you didn't sour on the fact that it's been gone for a little while. We are back. And like I said, we're going to try and get back on that schedule. So please tell your friends to check it out. There is always the archives as well. Uh, if you uh, if you're really jonesing for a show and there's not one out there, you can always go to the archives and check out an older one. Maybe you can uh, relearn something that you already forgot. And if you want those old archives that aren't on the feed anymore, just go to the website, rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. Uh, click on the archives button at the top and you'll be able to see all the, I think it's one through 30 that's still up there uh, that's not on the feed anymore. And you can download those. It has the show notes in them and you can check it all out one more time. Last thing. We still have our sponsor. Our sponsor is GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting is an application that allows you to meet with other people no matter where they are. They don't have to be in the same room as you, but it's actually going to feel like they are in the same room because you guys are going to be able to share your screen. They're going to be check, able to check out everything you're doing on your computer by just simply logging in through a web browser. And they'll be able to see your desktop as if it's on their own desktop, see everything that you're doing. Very cool thing about this, you can even pass the controls to someone else so they can actually take control of the meeting and show whatever they need to show. And uh, it's all flat fee pricing, so you don't have to worry about how long your meetings are. You're not paying by the minute. You're not going to go over your minutes. So it's good that way. You can try this out for free for 45 days. You just need to go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. And you just sign up with a little form and you'll be able to check that out. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. It's very, very cool software. 
Uh, I want to throw the disclaimer again. Just for you people on Macs and you don't have Intel Macs, you're not going to be able to host meetings yourself. You can still view meetings, but uh, they haven't developed a software yet so uh, so that you can put it on your Mac and actually host the meetings. So uh, if you don't have an Intel Mac with Windows on it, you're kind of out of luck there. But everybody else, please go check it out. It's very cool stuff. And uh, there is a banner on the Rookie Designer homepage that you can click on to get to that website if you don't remember the URL. All right. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about something. Somebody, let me see if I can find it. There was a post on the forum. And let me see if I can say this name right. Delecky Design. I think it's Delecky Design is who it is. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, Put a a post up about raising freelance rates. And it says, I found this interesting post on SitePoint forums about how to ask for a raise or to raise your rates as a freelancer. So I went and checked that out. It was very interesting stuff. And I think it was, some, I thought it was something that, that would be good to bring up. And let me just go ahead and read. This is the actual question from the person who, who posed the, the question in the first place. And it says, uh, it's entitled, how should you ask for a raise freelance? It says, hey, everyone, I've been very fortunate as of late in terms of getting new clients. Over the past five or six months, three companies have hired me, outsourcing their CSS XHTML work to me. The first company I started with offered me X amount of dollars. The second company offered X amount of dollars plus 25%. And the third company offered me X amount of dollars plus 50%. With a lot more experience under my belt and having proven my work ethic, reliability, and good code, should I ask about the first company for a raise or should I, how should I go about asking the first company for a raise while freelancing? Does your overall rate keep increasing when a new client offers more or do you have to honor what you signed up for? How long should you wait before you ask them for a raise? Thanks. Any help will do. So there's a lot of good questions in this. And I guess the first one to, to take on is this one you know, while freelancing, does your overall rate keep increasing when a new client offers you more? That's a pretty good question. Uh, I don't think that just because somebody offers you more, that necessarily would mean that your rates increase increase across the board. Now, the first thing I'm going to throw out here is I don't actually work for a rate. I will usually give people a rate if they ask. I'll say, you know, I generally work within, you know, 35 to $40 per hour, something like that just kind of a broad guess. But when I actually quote somebody out, when, when we talk about doing a project, I actually quote per project and I figure out the hours and I just give them a a ballpark figure. It doesn't say this many hours at this much amount of money equals this. It just says, this is how much this is going to cost you. $1,200 is how much I'm charging you for this project. And that I think is a good way to get around a lot of this stuff. Uh, I don't know if some people might think this is dishonest or not, but they really can't tell how much you're charging per hour if you just give them a ballpark figure or give them an actual total amount of how much the project is going to cost. Because there's lots of other things that go into this as well. It's not always just, you know, how many hours did I spend on it? I charge this much per hour times this number times this number and we get our total. It's not always that simple. Some things have more difficulty. 
Some things are just meeting with people or talking with them on the phone. Do you charge the same per hour as for that as you do for when you're doing something difficult like writing code or like uh, you know making graphics that not many people could do? Uh, these are all valid questions, and and I don't necessarily have the answer. It's it's all kind of on you to decide what the answers to these questions are. For me, I think it's easiest to, I start out with that figure. I say, I think it's going to take me about this many hours. And then I'll multiply that by how much, you know, I want to charge per hour. And that's kind of my starting point. But there's also lots of things to take into account. As, as we've talked about in the past, we need to figure out how much we need to make to make it profitable. How much do we need to cover the overhead? Are all of our bills being paid? Uh, anything that we might need to to do this job and other jobs in the future? You know, any piece of software or hardware that we might need? You got to take all these things into account. And it's not to say that, oh, I need a new monitor. So I'm going to charge everything to this one client because they just happen to be my client right now. That's That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I need a monitor in the future. Maybe I'll take a percentage of that price, you know, because that's something that's going to be a, a cost associated with this business. And I'm going to, you know, figure that in a little bit. Or I'm, I have this bill that reoccurs every single month. I need to take that into account. So there's lots of different things to think about here. And like I said, either you're, you're doing it the way that I do it. You can do it as a rate and say, I always work for $50 an hour, no matter what we're doing. And I count the hours and I times it times 50 and that's what your cost is. You can do it that way. But now all these things that we're talking about, all these costs that are associated with your business, you figure that out and you figure that into your hourly rate. And that's where that comes from. And I think that's what we actually talked about before. We talked about calculating your your hourly rate to make it profitable for you so that you make some money so that you cover your costs and so that your business doesn't go under all very important things. You know, you don't want to, you you have this inclination to want to be nice or I do anyways, and, and think that you're charging them too much, but you've got to really cover your own business. Otherwise you're not going to be able to stay in business. You're, you're just not going, you're going to be wasting your time and you're going to be taking money out of your own pockets to fund a business that's just not working. So all these things need to be taken into account. Uh, did I get off the topic? I might've, um, Yes, I did. So if if one client comes in and offers you this much or you say it costs this much and they, they say, okay, that's fine. Another client comes in and, you know, I, I really don't, I'm really, I guess I'm not understanding how this worked because it seems like the the freelancer did not quote the people. It's like they offered, maybe they offered them a bonus or something. Um, you can have people basically secure you on a, what do they call it? Basically a contract. You're doing contract work for them, but they, uh, Jesus, I don't remember the name for it. I'll think of it. Anyways, basically they're going to have you work on things over and over again, meaning that you're not just doing one project and that's it. And then if they want something else, they'll come back and you'll, you'll basically write up a new contract for that. You're actually doing work for them constantly. It's almost like you're a full-time employee, although you're not going into the office every day or, or something like that. But every time they need something, they just bring that to you. They already know what your rate is and you're working that way. And that might have been some kind of situation that this person was in. In that case, things are going to be a little bit different. And yes, if you want to raise your rates, then 
it's going to be a bit of a problem. And that's why I say, you know, I tend to do it a certain way. And I think the word that I was looking for was retainer. You're on retainer. Uh, I've heard that with uh, lawyers before. I'm not sure if it works for designers, but it's kind of that idea that they know that you know, and they know that if they ever have something coming up, it's coming to you because you're their first choice for who's working on their stuff. But anyways, uh, why I choose to work the way that I do with contracts and with quoting the way that I do is to avoid situations like this. Now, if you get in a situation with a company where they do want to do that with you, you want to write up a contract and you're going to say, I need this much money per hour. And that's what it's always going to be then you're going to have to negotiate with them. It's almost going to be like having a full-time job and saying, you know, I need to, I, I need a raise basically. This, this rate isn't doing it for me anymore. And uh, you would have certain reasons why you think that should happen. Maybe your skills have gotten better. Maybe the difficulty of the projects have gone up. Uh, you would have to have some kind of reason to do that. But, you know, I work regularly for companies and that's not the case with me. We write out a new contract. We write up a new quote every single time they have a new project coming my way. And I think that's the best way to do it because like I said, you write them up a quote, you give them a figure and say, this is how much it's going to cost. They really generally don't know, you know, it, unless I raise my rates quite significantly, they wouldn't really know that I raise my rates. So that to me is the best way to do it. Uh, if they do have questions about that though, I mean, that's when you have to pull out the the reasoning behind what you're doing. And when people, I have a little bit of experience because when people complain about my rates, you know, I, I had this one client that I used to give deals to. He just had me do a uh, trade show display and I had to charge him full price. I mean, there was just no getting around it. And I said, you know, to make my business work at this point, I can't give you a deal on this project, you know? And he understood that. He runs his own business as well. People are going to understand that you can't always cut him a deal. Um, that was a situation where he knew I was cutting him deals, though, so it was a little easier to kind of float that past him. Now, if it's somebody that's getting your regular rate and your rate goes up, you're going to probably need some kind of explanation as to why that happened. And like I said, that'll come down to, you know, maybe they're expecting too much of you and you're not getting paid for all the work that you're doing. Uh, you're going over your hours or something like that. The difficulty is is more significant in this project versus that project. There's just, you're going to have to uh, come up with something there, I guess, if they're going to want an explanation. And of course, the other alternative is to just cut them loose. If they're just unwilling to pay a higher a higher price for your work and you think it's worth that, then maybe that's a good time to cut ties with that particular client. All right, moving on. Uh, the second part of that was, or do you have to honor what you signed up for? Absolutely. If you sign a contract with somebody that, that says, you know, I'm going to work for this much for this duration of time or this many projects, then you absolutely have to honor that because that's the contract that you signed. Now, like I said, if you're in some kind of long-term thing where it's almost like you're a full-time employee of this client, then I think things might be a, a little bit different. Uh, you definitely have to honor it, but that's when, like I said, you would go in and try and negotiate with them for a higher price. And it's, as I said, almost like asking for a raise because this is somebody that you're working for all the time. And, you know, you sign this contract that said it's basically like signing a contract saying, yes, I accept this amount of wage or this salary for this job. And you would go to them and you'd say, you know, it's been X amount of months 
The work has been good. It's been getting in on time. It's actually been getting a little harder. You're expecting more of me. I need more money. So if you sign up for something though, if you sign a contract or if you have an agreement for a certain amount of money, you can't just spring a bill on them with, uh, with a higher rate. That's, that's not really how it works. The last one is how long should you wait before asking for a raise? And I, I don't really think this is a timing thing. I don't know if this person is asking like, should I wait until I have two years experience and then ask for a, a raise in, in my rates then? I don't really think it comes down to that. I think it's something, this again is something that you're going to have to know. You're going to have to know it in your guts that, you know, I'm doing better work now or I'm doing things that are more difficult than I was doing before. Or, you know, there's got to be those reasons that you know it's time to raise your rates. Or, you know, another good reason is your business is failing. And that might not sound like a valid reason, but, you know, if you want to pull your business up out of the dumps before it completely goes under and you have nothing, then sometimes you got to do that. Now, that being said, if you're not doing very good work or if you're a beginner and your business isn't going so well, so you say, oh, I'm going to charge $75 an hour, that's probably not going to fly. You know, people aren't going to just pay you that because, you know, because you're asking for it. You have to, you have to back up you have to back up your rates with quality work. So you kind of get into a situation there where maybe the business does go under, you know, but uh, the thing to remember here is that people will pay for quality. A lot of times you're going to think you're charging them too much, but it's not too much. And, and sometimes they won't think it's too much. Sometimes they will think it's too much, but it still doesn't mean that it is too much. Sometimes you just need to drop clients. And I hope that made sense because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. All right. Well, I also wanted to read some of the responses from some of the people on here. One of them says, only employees get raises. Freelancers have rates. So if they don't pay enough, just tell them your new rate is a rate of X per hour or Y per project. Some clients will leave you since they're always looking for the cheapest one possible, but others will pay for your more experience and so on. And this is a lot kind of what, what, I, what I was saying. Employees get raises, freelancers have rates. That's true. But again, like I said, it sounded more like this person was in a situation where they were almost an employee because they were on a retainer or something like that, or they were constantly doing work for them and they signed a, con a long-term contract that said, I'll work for this amount. If that was the case, again, it is pretty much like they're an employee and they do kind of have to ask for a raise. If they're just doing straight freelance, they're, they're quoting out each project separately and doing it that way. Yes, you have rates and it's easier to do it that way. And he brought up the point that, you know, your rate is X per hour or Y per project. Let me just reiterate that again. When you come up with a rate, come up with a rate using all the, uh, all the things that come into play, like what you have to pay out for bills and for software and hardware and for all this good stuff. Factor all that in along with, you know, I want to make X amount of profit and that will be in your rate and you won't have to worry about just giving somebody a rate and just working, just, you know, adding up the hours and multiplying it by your rate. Everything will work out perfectly. Or, you know, do it the way that I do it. He says, why per project? And that's where you just come up with a, a figure. You come up with a quote and you say, this is how much this one project costs. And again, I, that's my favorite way to do it. Uh, it might not be yours, but uh, I find it a lot easier and I've never had anybody complain. You know, if something is outrageously expensive, they're going to tell me. 
If not, they're just going to agree to it and I'm happy with it and they're happy with it and everything's great. Let me read another one here. Uh, if you're not getting paid enough, then all you need to do is write to company A and tell them you're raising your rates in 30 days. They'll either tell you to take a hike or they'll accept. And again, this goes back to, you know, are you on a long-term contract with these people? If so, um, I don't know that writing them a letter and saying I'm raising my rates is the best way to do it, but you know, it is, it is a way to do it. And it's a way to start that negotiation that I was talking about to where you guys can start talking about, you know, I need more money. So, uh, which way is this going to go? Am I going to stop working for you? Or are you going to agree to this? Uh, everyone raises their prices, even if it's just to keep in line with inflation. And that is definitely true. I mean, even restaurants that you probably go to, you notice that every once in a while they hike up their rates a little bit. They have to, because everything is just keeps getting increasingly more expensive. It's just the way of the world. Uh, they go on to say, you shouldn't worry about losing cheap clients who don't appreciate your improved skills. Just gives you more time to find clients willing to pay for your skills. And I've said this time and time again, there are a lot of cheap asses out there. If they don't want to pay for your work and you think it's worth a certain amount and they don't, then it's time to say goodbye to those people. And yes, sometimes it's not that easy to say goodbye to people that are, that are actually paying you money and helping you pay your bills. But, you know, you got to have that willingness to, to drop somebody and go out and start looking for somebody better. You really do. Or else you're going to end up working for cheap people the rest of your career. So it's just part of the evolution of your business is dropping some of these people that you don't really want to work for and going out and finding some quality clients that are going to pay you well, pay you on time and allow you to work on better projects as well. Cheap people generally give you bad projects. They give you things that they need very quickly. Uh, it's something that's not going to be printed, you know, professionally. It's not going to look that great. Um, they're not going to be portfolio pieces for you. And it's just a bad situation. So that's, it's just a natural evolution of a freelancer is to get out of that funk of dealing with these people who don't want to spend money on what you're doing and try and find those people that really care about what their stuff looks like, not so much about how much it's going to cost them. Okay. They go on to say, oh, and this, oh, and as the poster before mentioned, if you're a freelancer, consultant, contractor, etc., you won't have to ask for a raise, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's good. There was one more I think I wanted to read here. It was talking about something different. It says, one thing I fear, though, is that your clients get used to your quotes. When you raise your rates, the client may raise their requirements. Maybe unconsciously, unconsciously, but while paying more, they may expect more. Thus, you end up starting to feel the pressure that you have not experienced before with this client. I know it's only psychological, but it's subject not only to you, and that's the difficult part. Uh, this can be true, for sure. Um, but like I said, I mean, you have to come to this agreement with a client. And I think this one really talks more about getting that number out, doing a quote and saying, this is how much this project is going to cost. And like I said, if I significantly significantly raise my rates, that's going to show in the overall number. And they're going to notice, you know, if we do a flyer and it costs $100 and then maybe two months later, we do a flyer that's very similar to that other one and it costs, you know, $400, they're going to notice, obviously. You know, even if it's double the price that it was before, they're going to go back to their old bills and say, hey, wait a minute, I only paid $100 for this last time. Why is it so much now? 
these are things you're going to you're going to have to deal with and it's also on you to to make sure that that doesn't happen one thing i forgot in this whole thing as well too is what kind of companies are these that you're working for? They said they had one company that paid X amount, another that was X plus 25%, another it was X plus 50%. Well, what companies are these? You know, what if company A that gave them X amount is some mom and pop shop and company C that offered them X amount plus 50% is uh, MTV? Well, there's a reason why they're paying any more because one, they can afford to, two, We've talked about distribution. They're going to be distributing your work a hell of a lot more than company A because, you know, they're just a local shop. So these are things to consider as well. Not all my clients are charged the same amount. I, If I work for larger companies, I generally, you know, they're going to have that more distribution. So I'm generally going to charge them a little bit more than the smaller companies. And that's just, that's the way I work. It's not necessarily the law. It's not how you have to do it, but that's how I do it. And it makes sense to me. The more distribution there is, the more they need to pay for that or artwork that I'm making for them because more people are going to see it. So that's something to, to keep in uh, keep in the old memory bank there as well. As far as what this guy is saying, yeah, sometimes they will. You know, if they're paying a little bit more, they're going to expect more. But that's why when you make a quote, you outline everything about the project before you quote them. You need to know everything, every little detail about what you're doing you take those back and you figure out how long that's going to take you and what it's going to take you. And then you come out with a number. That way you can't, they can't just say, oh, well, this is a lot more than it was before. So why don't you do this, this, and this also? Well, no, that's not what the quote was for. So I think you can get around it that way. But, you know, you could come out with that more expensive quote and they could say, whoa, you know, this is way more than we paid last time. It's pretty much the same project. I'm not going to pay this much for it. I think that's more of the problem you have with quotes, which again is why I like quotes. You know, either they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. But you come to the table with a number and say, okay, for everything you asked for, nothing less, nothing more, this is what it's going to cost you. If you want to add something onto that, then we're going to have to bump up the cost a little bit. So that's pretty much my take on that. Uh, I think I covered everything. As far as raises go, for if you're in just kind of a regular job, I can't speak to agencies or advertising agencies or anything like that because I've never worked for one before. But in the corporate world, it's pretty much, it's pretty standard. You know, you have certain time periods where they review the work that you've done the year prior or the, the months prior. They say, okay, this is what we can offer you. You say, okay, that's not very much, but I'll take it anyways. And it just kind of goes that way, you know? So... I mean, there are points where you can ask for raises and if you're just getting piled on with tons of work and you've been doing excellent work and your skills have really improved, you can definitely go to your boss and ask for a raise. And I think it's definitely a situation in freelance too where you have to monitor that yourself. You don't have a boss that's doing reviews with you that's saying, hey, your work has gotten a lot better, so I think you should start making some more money. And uh, you really got to monitor that yourself and say to yourself, you know, do I need to make more money now? Uh, do I deserve to make more money now? It gets into a big ethical thing. So, I mean, because as a freelancer, nobody's really monitoring you except for your clients. And if they keep paying what you keep putting on the bill, you can basically do whatever you want. Uh, a lot of clients don't know any better. And it's it's up to us to not take advantage of them as well. But, you know, it's up to us to make sure that we're making enough money 
that we're keeping our business going, that we're not ripping ourselves off doing this. The keys to the game. Since I'm on a big Lightroom kick right now, our key command is going to come from Lightroom and it's a function called lights out. Very cool function. When you press the L key, you're going to go into what's called lights out. And what that does is every area except for the canvas where your picture is kind of darkens down. And I think there's a couple different levels to this. You press it once and it dims everything. You press it again and everything goes black. The cool thing about the dimming effect is that you can actually still use some of the toolbars and stuff that's there, but it's dimmed down so that you can really focus in on the details of your photograph. So very cool thing and very similar to the screen mode in Photoshop, which you of course access by pressing F and that will take you into where it gives you a 50% gray behind it and then it gets it uh, completely, bla completely black except for your canvas. Same kind of thing, but uh, lights out in Lightroom, you press L. So for the second half of the program, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things I've been doing lately. And uh, no, this is not the excuse of why this show is so late, but I, I did have quite a bit of work and spent many uh, late nights and early mornings the last few weeks. Uh, I found myself working until, you know, one, two in the morning and then having to get up regular time, 630, go to work which is not fun. But I think a lot of designers know this, you know, I've talked to a couple of people already that are pretty much night owls. Like I am, you lock yourself away in the office and you know, your, your significant other, your spouse is not too happy about it. But you know, when those paychecks come in, they, they don't seem to mind as much anymore. But, uh, so I was doing at the same time, uh, a pretty major website, not major in, in terms of functionality. It's pretty much a brochure website, just something that people can go up and look at products and, but it was about 30, 40 pages. And also I was doing at the same time a trade show display, which is always fun. And of course, the biggest the biggest challenge with doing large format graphics, graphics like that is that, you know, if your computer is not very fast, then you're going to be waiting quite a while. And it would when I got towards the later stages of this thing, it would take me about 15 minutes just to save it once. And of course, you want to save it. On this kind of project, you'd want to save after every single thing that you do because, you know, you're going to waste a lot of time. But you want to save enough that if something happens, if the computer shuts down, you don't, want, you don't want to lose like two hours of work. So I was trying to save, you know, every 20 minutes at least. So every 20 minutes, I got to wait 15 minutes for this thing to save. Biggest, biggest hassle with that. And my, my computer is pretty fast as well. And also I'm working on a RAID disk, which, which helped a little bit with the saving. It probably would have taken longer had I just been saving it to my one hard drive on my computer. But uh, that was pretty much the challenging thing with that. The other thing is, you know, clients tend to wait to the very last second to give you everything that you need. I needed certain, I needed them to pick out images that were going to go on this display and uh, it was just to basically illustrate different things that their product does. So we go on iStock Photo and we're looking through. And the good thing about this client is he actually got on iStock Photo and was looking with me and saying, I want this kind of image. Let's go look for it. That was good. I like that. You know, it shows a little initiative on the client's part. And, and this, this particular client is like that. I, I really like working for him for that reason. But like all other clients... He didn't start looking until, you know, the, the night before it was due. So that's a, that's a problem because we got all the pictures in there except for one. He just couldn't decide, couldn't find the one that he wanted. So 
basically I switched from having to come out with a finished product that I was going to send to the printer to actually having to make a, a Photoshop file that was easy for me to send to the printer and for their artists to actually work on later to be able to insert that photo in. And it wasn't, of course, just as easy as I have this photo, I'm going to pull it in as a new layer into this Photoshop file, just drop it there and everything's honky-dory. No, it was in a box. It had masks on it. It had certain effects on it. They had to do things. So I had to write out instructions for this as well. Uh, I'd say try not to get yourself into this kind of situation, but you know, it's, it's unavoidable sometimes. The other problem was I was leaving the next day to go out of town. So that didn't help either. So that was pretty much the problem. But, you know, I delivered on the due date and they didn't have everything that they needed to me. So it wasn't really my fault. And that's that's something, again, that goes back to the contract saying, you know, if something happens that's not any of my fault, then I'm not going to take the brunt of that. I'm not going to take the blame for it not coming out on time or for it not being finished on time because, you know, I told you that it was supposed to be done on this day. You didn't give me what I needed. So, and there, there wasn't any friction that way at all. I don't want to imply that. But for the most part, you know, if, if I wasn't going out of town, we would have just finished it a day or two later once he found that photo. But as it was, we had to do it this way. Um, it was just kind of a bad situation. Same kind of thing happened with the website that I was working on. Now, of course, these people weren't out there looking for the pictures. They kind of said, well, you know, if the pictures aren't there, then just go ahead and put it up without the pictures. And that is a freedom that you have with the web because it's not, it's not being printed. We can go back and we can fix it later. So I did. I made blank pages. I didn't put pictures in knowing that I'd come back when I got back in town and we'd be able to go back and, and find those pictures that need to go in there and, and put them in there. Same kind of thing, though. Here I am, the last couple of days, up till all hours in the morning, sending them email after email saying, you know, where are these images? Which image goes with what product? It, it happened to be something that I don't know that much about, and some of the products look very similar, but they're not the same. Well, I need some direction on this, and I wasn't getting it. And uh, it's it was just kind of a bad situation. And then, okay, I get back. Actually, let me let me jump back a little bit. I come to the the last day, the last night, which I stayed up till three in the morning before I had to drive twelve hours, and which was lovely. And I'm trying to put the website up. I finally got it done. I get all my testing done. All the links finally work. They go to the right places. Everything's looking good. Everything looks good in Firefox, Internet Explorer, you know, all the major browsers on both the Mac and the PC. And I go to put it up and they're using another company for hosting. They gave me a password and a username, get up on my FTP program, ready to put it up there, ready to be done with this whole thing and go to sleep and sleep soundly before my big trip. And I can't get on the FTP server. Great. Yeah, that's just awesome. So I got to call the guy the next morning and say, you know, you guys gave me the wrong the wrong password or whatever. And I just kind of get this attitude from them or from the, the particular person. Well, I'm not the one that gave you the password. Well, you know, whatever. So I say, can I zip up these files, send them to you and have you put them up on the server? Well, I'm very busy. Can, can't you do that? Can't you take care of this? And I said, well, yes, I could. If you gave me the right password, it would take me about 10, five, 10 minutes to do this. But since I don't have the password, no, I cannot. So now I got to wait another 45 minutes or an hour 
for this person to find what was wrong with what they did before. And then finally I get it up. I just, that was just a bad situation for me. I mean, you're working with a, another, another vendor of your client to try and get something done. It was just a bad situation. So, um, I don't know that there's much that you can learn from that other than, you know, I just tried to be patient with the person. Although I didn't think that they had very good customer service because they were kind of, I don't know, they were a little short with me and, and didn't seem to want to help me too much. Figured that I should be able to figure it out somehow, even though it wasn't something that I was doing. I know I wasn't in control of the hosting, which I very well could have been and probably could have, you know, done a, a good enough job, but you know, that's besides the point. But, you know, sometimes you're going to be in those situations where you're working with other people that your client hired. So just look out for that and uh, try and be as, as civil as you can, because I can say from this end, it wasn't very nice working with somebody that, that didn't really seem like they wanted to help me at all. But last minute things, you know, it always, it always tends to happen. Clients come up with these things that, that either they don't have what you need them to have or they come up with new things out of the blue that were never part of the original plan. And that's kind of what I'm going through now. Client comes back after looking at, you know, I put the website up, looking through it and saying, hey, well, this isn't here. This isn't here. This isn't here. Some of these things were images that I asked for before. And they said, go ahead without the image. And now they're saying that image isn't there. How come it's not there? Other thing is new requests, things that were never built into the plan. When we set out to do this website, they actually first drew out a, a tree. They drew out a site map, which is of course the best thing to do. You draw out your site map with your homepage and all your main pages and all the secondary pages that come off of that, all the tertiary pages that come off of those. And that's what we did. And we laid this thing out and we had certain pages in place and those were the ones I was going to create. Now the client comes back and asks for other pages that were never even talked about. This can't happen. If this happens, do not do the work on the original contract. You write up a separate contract, separate quote, or you know, do do it do it secondarily after. Finish everything you need to finish that was dealt with in the initial spec for the project. Do all that stuff. Get paid. Then, then write a new quote or tell them that you're going to start working on the other stuff and you're going to start charging them, you know, hourly again. And that's going to be separate. That's where we're at right now. It, it, it was just something important that I think, I think people sometimes can weasel their way into things for free and that's how they do it. You know, they give you an original spec and it has certain things and you do those things. And then they say, Hey, well, I wanted this in here and I wanted this, this picture in here and I wanted this extra page and I wanted this link to go here. And they start saying things like that. And it sounds like little small things. And you're like, oh, well, okay, I can do it. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. This is people getting free stuff from you. Do everything that you need to do for that initial spec. Whatever you agreed to in that first contract, do that stuff. Then move on to this new stuff that they're asking for and charge them for that as well. They need to pay for everything. There's no freebies here. So, you know, that's, that's a sneaky way that, that some people, you know, and it might not be them trying to be sneaky. Maybe they're just, you know, they just don't know how things go, but uh, make sure you charge them for everything because, you know, it, it can get kind of on the line there where you don't really know, was I supposed to do this? Or if it's not in that initial spec, then, then make sure that they're paying for that extra. So that was the main gist of that one, I think. 
I think also just having patience with these people because I can say right now, the people that I work for, pretty good clients, but most clients that you'll have aren't going to know much about what you do. And you kind of, as we said before, you got to educate them a little bit. Now they don't want to learn everything about your business, but you know, sometimes you got to tell them how things go. Uh, A good example is the client that I did the website for. They're thinking of it more as a brochure rather than a website. They don't think about things like the fact that somebody could come to that website, go to a certain page and not really like what they see and just click away to somebody else's, a competitor's site and never, ever come back. That's not something that will happen with a brochure. You hand them a brochure. Yeah, they could walk out the door and go to a competitor, but you know they're still going to have that brochure in their hand. It's it's a very different thing. There's very different things to think about. And sometimes you do have to educate your client about uh, about the finer points of things like that because they don't understand why you do things a certain way. So just keep that in mind. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our mistake tip for this time is to be careful when emailing. That might sound a little strange, but emailing can be very, very sensitive. It can be easily misconstrued. You know, your, your words can be misconstrued as something that you didn't mean them to be. A good example is writing in all caps tends to mean that you're shouting or yelling, uh, or it means, you know, excitement or something like that. It really depends on what you're writing, but using all caps tends to mean that you're shouting. Uh, people may not know abbreviations. A lot of people use abbreviations for certain things, and I certainly don't know a lot of them. Uh, a lot of the younger people out there probably know all of them. People who grew up on, uh, you know, IMs and texting and that kind of stuff. Make sure you keep that to a minimum unless you know the person that you're emailing knows everything that you're talking about because that could become confusing as well. Uh, things such as sarcasm may not be discernible through an email. You might be sarcastic in your email, but on the other end, it comes out looking like you're, you know, patronizing them or or making fun of them or something to that, something of that nature. So be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, I think the most important point here, and I've, I've had to do this many times. If you're angry, if you get a message from somebody and it's just, you know, maybe seems like things aren't right or they did something that really angered you, if you're angry, write your email and it might even be a good idea to open up a text editor and write the email rather than doing it in your email program because there always is that chance that you might accidentally send it so write it down get all that anger out write it however you want use as many curse words as you can possibly think of write it and then throw it away then wait you know a half an hour an hour the longer you wait probably the better cool down and write it again. It's probably not going to come out the same way. But, you know, people are going to piss you off. It's going to happen. Whether it's people you're working with, people you're working for, whoever it is, whatever the case, you're not going to want to write that first email out of anger and send it off because you're probably going to either mess things up with a coworker or lose a client or something to that effect. You never want to write e- emails while you're angry because the wrong thing can come out. But, uh, the thing to remember is email is is a strange way of communication. Uh, if you can avoid it, phone calls, I think, are better. Sometimes phone calls are better. Sometimes email is better. I had a point in, in the uh, website project where I was getting email after email, just 
my inbox was just filling up with like really short answers and we're going back and forth and we're basically wasting time. If I pick up the phone and talk to that person and say, I have 10 questions. Can you give me the answer to this, 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 this? It's probably going to take me about 10 minutes, whereas through email, it could have taken me several hours. So know when it's better to pick up the phone and talk to the person rather than emailing them 10 million times. But if you're going to email, make sure you're careful about how you word things. Um, A lot of people don't like the little emoticons, the little smiley faces and those kind of things. But those things actually, I think the purpose of those things is to make sure that the the person on the other end knows the intention of what you're saying. You know, if you're going to say some kind of sarcastic thing, if you put that smiley face after it, that kind of lets them know, hey, I'm not being serious here. This is meant to be funny. But again, I mean, not everybody's going to understand that. So be very careful about how you word things in your emails. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. The resource for today is a website that I found. I'm always looking out for uh, tutorial websites, of course. This one is a Photoshop tutorial website, and it's called Eyes on Design. You can find that at eyesondesign.net. And uh, the, the link that I'm actually going to put up on the in the show notes, which you can find at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie, uh, It'll take you straight to the Photoshop tutorial. So if you want to go to that, although it's not very hard to find them, uh, there's a bar on the top that says P shop and you just go to tutorials under that. Uh, Some different effects. Uh, Again, you're probably going to find a lot of these effects are standard to many of the websites that you go to. But I tend to find that, you know, it's good to look through all of these and you might find something that's unique. Uh, Everybody tends to have, you know, one skill, one trick of their own that's pretty good. So... Uh, There are a couple of cool ones on here, so check it out when you get a chance. Uh, You can never have too many tools in Photoshop. I mean, there's a million different ways to do all kinds of things, so check it out if you have some time. Tutorials are always a great way to learn new skills. All right, before we get out of here, just a couple of things. Again, please tell your friends, tell your coworkers, co-students, cohorts about this uh, podcast. Let them know that it's here. Let them know how to subscribe if they don't know how. Uh, Let us spread the community to all the designers that we can find, and that would be great. Uh, Thank you so much for doing it. I know a lot of people are out there spreading the word about Rookie Designer, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I I try to do my best to to keep up on this stuff, and uh, I appreciate you putting in the time as well listening and also getting the word out to others. Uh, If you need to contact me, you can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com feel free to send me a message or a question or anything. And let me just say, I've been behind on the shows and that means I'm way behind on email. So if you sent me a message and I haven't replied yet, uh, it's not because I'm not going to, it's just because I haven't had the time. I definitely love it when everybody emails me. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, your, your message wasn't important. I will get to it eventually. It's just going to take me some time. Anyways, uh, you can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer as well and send me a message that way. You can Skype me at username Titan strides. And to do that, you can, you're just going to have to be able to, you're probably not going to catch me on the phone. I'm going to say most of the time I I'm not on that, but if you send me an IM that way, it'll be floating around when I get to my computer, it's probably the best way to do it. And uh, I'll try and get back to you that way. Of course, the best way to talk to me and lots of other designers all over the world, and uh, maybe even some spammers, is to go to the forum. 
uh, rookiedesigner.com slash forum and just get up there and register if you're not already. Lots of great people up there that can answer questions or uh, start great conversations about design or great conversations not about design. So check it out. Uh, Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for the emails. And thank you for spreading the word about Ricky Designer. Uh, Again, I know this took a long time to get out. Hopefully you guys haven't soured on me in the show. A couple people have told me, you know, reached out to me after I, after I let you guys know that this show wasn't going to be coming out as often and told me, you know, that, that that's okay. I not, I know not everybody's going to react that way. I know some people, I know how it is on the other end. You know, there's podcasts that I love and when they don't come out when they're supposed to, I get a little edgy about it, you know, because you're expecting that content and uh, I'm doing my best to try and make that work out. And uh, please, you know, your patience is is appreciated in that. And uh, hopefully this will satisfy your your rookie designer needs for a bit. And like I said, we're going to be coming back with a new, another show next Thursday. So check that out. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you then. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.